0: Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. and May I ask you all to stand for the reading of God's Word. Our passage will be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15, all the way to the first part of 17. And just follow along as I read. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me. I just pray, Lord, that you would use me as your vessel to preach your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help me to preach only your word and not mine. And I pray that you would work through me uh, tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may all all take your seats. For the last three years of my life, um, to pay for my college, I've been working in a produce department. So for the last three years of my life, I've always been working at a produce department. And if you don't know what that is, those are the people who handle the fruits and vegetables. I don't know why God designed it that way. I'm not the biggest proponent of fruits and vegetables, but hey, I'm in the produce department. But anyways, compared to the average person, I've been exposed to rotten fruit, more so than the normal man. I've, in a daily basis, I'm exposed to rotten things and things that are going bad. And it's only natural with perishable items. You know, God designed it so that things are, things are once fresh and over time they go bad. But there's a variable that accelerates this process of produce going bad. And that is mold. Mold. And I know everybody here knows what mold is. As a produce worker, it is our job to make sure all the fruits and vegetables are rotated. Making sure we take out the old ones, making sure to take out the overripe ones, and replace it with fresh new produce. That's in our job description, but there are a lot of people in my places of work where they'd rather take the shortcut and they cover up the old ones with fresh new produce. Just put a layer of fresh new ones. Okay, looks fine, from the outside that looks perfectly fine. But here's the problem. The fruit underneath the fresh ones, the ones that were already going bad, they're not gonna freeze over time. They're gonna continue to decay. They're they're gonna continue to rot. And over time, if you leave it there, it will become mold. The thing with mold is it is very invasive. As a produce worker, you're, you're taught that if you see moldy fruit, if you see a moldy vegetable, you're supposed to remove that specific fruit and every single piece around it. Because chances are that mold has already invaded the other produce items. Mold is very invasive. Over time, the mold will sweep through the whole display, infecting and ruining everything in its path. And if left there alone, it will affect all of the fresh produce, and soon enough, all the fruit will get molded. At this moment, I cannot think of a more fitting illustration for sin than mold. Like mold, it only takes a little spore, a little sin that will spread over time. And that small sin that we've allowed to enter into our lives will become larger. And will grow into something bigger and will turn to a larger sin and begin to rot the heart of the individual. And just like mold, that sin will not only affect those committing that specific sin, but will affect those around that specific individual. And here is the sin that so many Christians have allowed into their lives. And it is a failure to obey a command that God has given to us through his scripture. Study to show thyself approved unto God. In our Sunday schools, we teach it to all our children. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. We tell the children to sing that through VBS, through junior church. But why is it that when we become adults, we feel that we are exempt to that story? Do they exempt to that principle? As adults, it becomes even more needful for us to read the Bible and to study the Bible. A theologian once said, the great crisis in our day is a crisis of the neglect of the content of this book. It doesn't do us any good if we have a high view of scripture, but don't know what's found within its sacred pages. To know and truly love God, we need to know and truly love his word. Many say they love God, many say they are so close in communion with God, but can they really love Him when they regularly neglect the instruction manual that He left here on earth for us to read? Can you really have a close relationship with God if you're so content with allowing your Bibles to uh, gather dust on your bookshelves? Can you really love Him if that's how you treat His holy word? we need to reassess our priorities. And to do that, we need to look to the advice that the Apostle Paul gave to the young Pastor Timothy. And to find the truth and to understand the importance of treasuring and studying the scripture. My first point here today is, what does studying, like, studying will gain God's approval. Studying will gain God's approval. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Reminiscing through all my years in high school, uh, that was four years ago now, just reminiscing through all that time I spent in high school, you look around within the student body, you look around from teenager to teenager, everybody there is seeking approval. Everybody there wants to fit in with everybody else. They want to fit in with the mold. They want to fit in with all their peers, with all their friends. You see this in elementary schools. You see this in high schools, colleges, universities, workplaces. Almost everywhere you will find people will go out of their way and change their own behavior, change their own habits to gain the approval of other people. That's why things like social drinking is a thing, exists. That's why social, uh, take, uh, social drug usage is a thing. Many of those guys, they only drink, they only uh, smoke because their friends are doing it. They want to not be kicked out from the, their, uh, their uh, friend group and they want to fit in. They want to fit in with everybody else. They want to gain the approval of others. That's our natural tendency as human beings is to gain the approval of the people around us. There is nothing wrong with seeking for approval. We just need to make sure we are seeking the approval of the only person that matters and that is God. We don't need the approval of the world. We don't need the approval of our friends. We don't need the approval of our coworkers, Even our own families we don't need our approval. Our own pastors. The only person that we must prioritize first to gain the approval of Is God. God first and above everything else. But the great thing is we don't have to ponder at night. We don't have to sit and and kind of think to ourselves how we can gain the approval of God because it says already in the scriptures. Verse 15 Study to show thyself approved unto God. Merely reading our Bibles, that's a good start. I'm not going to say a person who reads their Bible is a bad person. That's a great start. But if you're content with just merely reading your Bible and just fine with that, that's not enough. That's not what the Bible says. We need to study the Bible. For me, studying, it, it means that the, the mind is involved. It means that the mind is not passive. It's active. It's constantly thinking. A person who is studying the Bible is constantly throwing questions at it. Is constantly asking God, "What, what, what do you want me to know from this passage?" That is what studying is. For me, reading is um, just because of my experience in high school. We have uh, a thing in English class called silent reading. Silent reading, and I don't know why is that is even called silent reading because everybody, all the all the teenagers, all they do is they put their books like this and they fall asleep for one hour. How is that silent reading? You're silent because you're falling asleep. That's why you're silent. But we treat our Bible reading, our Bible studies, our Bible devotions exactly as, the same way as high schoolers treat their silent reading. We just take our Bibles in the morning, or whenever you do your devotions, you plop it down on your desk. Then some people, they just, Oh, this little axe, what a great uh, book. Let's just read it in a random chapter. And that's how we do our Bible studies. Just picking randomly wherever the wave uh, throws at us. We can't just be content with that. We need to be studious with God's word. We need to know what's in the Bible. We need to know everything that God wants us to know. The thing is, I, someone recently asked me, what is the greatest thing I can that, that I've learned personally in Bible college, in my four years of Bible college? And it's hard. That's a hard question because that's very broad. But the things... That I value the most are not really things that, I've, that have been taught to me in the classroom, are not necessarily things that I've read in a textbook or read in a, in a certain uh, book. But a lot of the things that were most precious to me in my college years, in my four years, were the things that I've learned about God and the things I've learned about Him during my personal time. It was during my personal devotion that I really get to know God, not through, not in the class, not in my textbooks, not in just. Uh, uh, the required reading is when I'm studying God's Word personally and, and out of all my own desire is when I really learn more about Him. If I were to tell someone an advice, I wouldn't just say to read their Bibles. It's too vague, too passive. Matter of fact, I wouldn't even say study your Bibles because studying, with, studying also brings a connotation of you're doing it for the sake of maybe a class or something like that. But my advice is to love the Bible. Just as much as you love God, you need to love the Bible as much as well. If the Bible wasn't necessary for a Christian walk, then why did God preserve the King James Version for us to read through? It would have died out long ago. If you look at the Baptist history, there have been so many who tried destroying the Bible to make sure it's erased from history, but God preserved it throughout time and throughout the ages. And Christians, our biggest way of saying thank you is putting it in our bookshelf. How selfish of us. Learn to love the Bible. Learn to love. Because when you love your Bible, you don't have to be told by another pastor that you have to read your Bible. You don't have to be told by another fellow laborer that you have to study your Bible. When you love something, you naturally are inclined towards that. You don't have to be forced. You don't have to be uh, chokehold just to read your Bible. You will naturally do it. You will naturally read your Bible. You will naturally study your Bible if you love it. And there are many reasons to love it. I don't know why so many forsake their Bibles. It's a source of encouragement. A source of hope. It gives us faith. It gives us, in times of our peril, it gives us encouragement. There are so many reasons to love our Bible. We are willing to go out of our own ways to gain the approval of others. It then shouldn't be too hard for us to sacrifice some of our daily time and to dedicate to the studying of God's word. We're so good at changing our lives just to gain the approval of of another man. Why is it so hard for us to change our lives when we're trying to gain the approval of God? It's like we have to, it's like God has to pry our hearts open for us to change our life. Study God's word. My second point is, studying is our duty. Studying is our duty. In the Bible it says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Everyone here in this room has a job. Whether And there's a variety of professions that are represented here in this room today. Some are working part-time, like myself, some are working full-time, and unfortunately some are working overtime. But regardless of our profession and how much time we spend on our work, we have been able to keep that job because God has given us the ability to accomplish the work necessary for that job. God gave us that job, and He continues to enable us to, and allow us to be able to perform the task to the best of our ability. You see, in, picture this, a doctor. A doctor who's went through all of his, all of his training in a uh, in, uh, medical school. I don't know how long it takes, maybe seven years, eight years, something like that. Seven years, eight years. Graduates, gets his degree, gets his diploma. And he starts up his own institute or, or, or a clinic. And this doctor is the first patient that comes in. The patient describes his symptoms, describes everything that he's feeling. And the doctor doesn't know how to assess this medical problem. And it's a common medical problem. Imagine that. A doctor who's studied eight years. A patient walks in with a common medical problem and he doesn't know how to assess it. That doctor has a reason to feel ashamed. That is what he studied for. If an architect doesn't know how to draw up a simple design, a simple floor plan. That is the basis of what an architect is. They draw and design things. If an architect who studied in in drafting school doesn't even know how to make a simple design, that architect has a reason to feel ashamed. If a teacher doesn't even know how to teach her own curriculum, that teacher also has a reason to feel ashamed. If you are in a job, in a professional professional environment, getting paid a wage, and you still do not know how to perform the basics of your job, there's a reason to be ashamed. And there are a lot of Christians in this world that should feel ashamed. Because they have been given a duty to study the Word of God. And they've let that slip. We have a duty, and we have a cause. We have a reason to feel ashamed if we don't fulfill the task given to us, and that is to rightly divide the word of truth. That is our job as believers. When you are in university, what, depending on your major, depending on what, you're, what you want to uh, specialize in. For example, my brother he, he wants to study microbiology. He has biology textbooks. If you're in accounting, if you're learning account, if you want to be an accountant, you're gonna get. Books, textbooks dedicated to accounting. Architects will get books on how to draft on how to draw and how to design. You'll get a a specific textbook in university that will aid you into learning your profession. And Christians, we've gotten a textbook already right here. But here's where we get it wrong. We think that this is a textbook exclusive to the pastor's. We think that this textbook is exclusive to only Bible college students. But this textbook needs to be studied by every person who has accepted Christ into their lives. No one is exempt from this command to study God's word and to rightly divide the word of truth. When Moses left in the Old Testament, when Moses went to talk to God in the mount, the whole nation of Israel was left in disarray. They started worshipping golden calves. They started worshipping false idols when Moses left. And the reason why, Moses was the only one who really had a close relationship with God. The whole nation of Israel was putting this burden onto just Moses himself. And when Moses was taken away just like that, the whole nation of Israel went into chaos and disobeyed the command that was given to them. And it's the same with us. We're leaving all the work of studying God's word to just those in full-time ministry, which shouldn't be the case. Laymen, fellow laborers need to be in God's word just as much as a Bible, a Bible college student, just as much as a pastor. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes four, nine to twelve. Ecclesiastes four, chapters nine to twelve. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up, lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This, These verses show the importance of strength in numbers here instead of leaving the, the duty of studying God's word to a single man to a single person imagine if everybody in this room imagine if everybody, every Christian in this church were to equally and laboriously study God's word our church will be spiritually strong it will be spiritually stronger than the average church In the average church is only the head the head of the churches that actually study God's word There is power in all of us knowing God's word. And God will bless when we are take time to study His Word. All of us here should be able to rightly divide the Word of God and the truths within it. And I'm not saying that I'm not just saying the people in here, and I'm not saying the teens and the children in the other room don't have to study the Bible, because it is important for them too it is really needful for us because we are the adults. We are the the people that are kind of higher up in the church. And we're the ones teaching the next generation. And how can we teach something that we don't even know for ourselves? How can we honestly disciple the next generation when we aren't disciplined ourselves in God's Word? We need to be studious of God's Word. It is our job. It is our job as a workman It is our job as a Christian. Do not be a workman that has cause for shame. Understand that it is our job to rightly divide the word. And my last point here today is studying the Bible is preventative. Preventative. It says here, but shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker. And preventative, what is, how does studying the Bible, how does it prevent us from anything? What, What is it preventing us from? There's two things. The first one are heresies and false teachings. Heresies and false teachings. And that is rampant in our world today. Actually, I just saw an ad on YouTube the other day. And I just saw the title. It it basically said, Why the Bible was devised by Satan. Um, I didn't bother finishing the video or even starting the video. I just kind of skipped the ad. (laughs) Good thing YouTube allowed me to skip the ad. But that is the type of heresy. That is the type of false teaching that's being spread around in our world today. The reason why the Bible was devised by Satan, uh, people and how they get led astray. This is the reason why it is so needful for us to be studious of God's word. Look around us and look at all the cults that exist today. Look at all the false religions that exist today. And that is because people were not well studied in the truth and allowed themselves to be led astray and formed those cults. They misinterpreted what God uh, meant to say and they started their own following. Leading others astray with them. So many just rely on the spiritual feeding of the pastor. They come into church, pastor preaches, they maybe take notes, some take notes, some don't. Even worse, if you don't take notes. But they just sit there passively and being spoon-fed truth from the Bible. They get home, again, wait until Wednesday, maybe not. They, and then for, for some, they just wait until the next week, until Sunday again, to be spiritually fed truth from the Bible from pastor. Just to forget it right when they leave the church. That is not how we are supposed to study God's word. We will not be able to defend ourselves from false teachings and false heresies if we don't study the Bible for ourselves. If we are being, if we are still relying on being spiritually fed by the pastor, and we are, and you've been saved for many years now, that is a sign of immaturity. It makes sense for a, a newborn Christian to still be relying on the pastor for spiritual feeding of the Word of God. But when you've been saved for more than one year, uh, two years, three years, four years, five years, and the more you grow as a Christian, you shouldn't be at the same level you were when you were just a newly saved and converted Christian. You need to take it upon yourself to study God's Word. If you look around at every single society in, in society today, you've, you can see how truth the word the truth in the bible has been manipulated has been altered to fit a specific need of an individual and it's not just cults that are misguiding christians it's not just those other people that are misguiding christians but even worldly philosophies philosophies like love yourself love yourself more than anything else you should love yourself mentality such as self sufficiency That you can do anything by yourself. You don't need any other thing in this world. You don't need any other person in this world. All you need is yourself. And you'll be good. Or maybe self-pity. That's another one. The world propagates self-pity. This mentality of just making... just uh, Poor me, poor me. And that's the mentality that the world wants us to have. Those worldly philosophies combined with false heresies and teachings are misguiding so many Christians today. When I was at the lowest point in my Christian life, when I was at my lowest point emotionally, spiritually, physically, and everything else, at first, when, during, when I was in that storm, when I was during, in, in that trial, I couldn't understand why everything wrong could happen to me. And I just felt so confused as to what, why God was doing this to me. And that was my first year of college. And that was when I started studying God's Word, but I was studying it so that I could do my projects. I was studying it so that I could pass the test. But my personal studies went through the window. During my lowest point, you can trace in my life the fact that I've neglected my Bible reading and I've neglected my prayer life. When those two things disappeared from my life, everything fell apart. And rightly so. This morning in chapel, the, the missionary, he preached a message. And he, the, the main thrust of the message was, the most important thing for a Christian, above anything else, is their personal relationship with God. Above doctrine, above theology, above their service even, above their faith, all of that should be, should be um, your, it's your relationship, your personal relationship with God should be above all those things. Because so what you know theology? So what you know how to uh, know the doctrines, the main doctrines? So what if you don't even have a, 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 a personal relationship with God? So what? None of that matters. Your service to God doesn't matter if you don't have a personal relationship with Him. And so studying the Bible, I'm not saying to do it in a way that you're being forced to do it. But if you're studying your Bible for the sake of personal growth and constantly asking it questions and saying, What can I learn today? How can I use this passage to further my growth and further my relationship with you? That is this type of mentality that we need to have. If we ever want to reject these heretical teachings and worldly philosophies, then we need to make sure we are aware of what the truth is. The Bible says their words are like canker, a disease if you may, and they seek to infect others. Their teachings are a disease and we must make sure that we prevent ourselves from getting sick by constantly being exposed and well-studied in the truth. And the second thing that it prevents us from of studying our Bible prevents us from succumbing to our sin. Turn with me to Second Timothy three fifteen, or oh, three one to five. Sorry, not three fifteen. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, trucebreakers, false accusers, incontinents, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away those are things that you would only that you should expect only the world to be doing but within Christian, within churches today you see those things within churches today you can see the exact same trace that were described in this passage in our in churches today and that is the result of christians Neglecting to study their word and to obey the commands and principles found within. It. Those things should not be within the church and they shouldn't have been in the church if people just studied their, the word and lived it. It's a two-part thing. It's studying the word and acting upon the truth that you've read and studied. There's no point in studying God's word and just using, uh, and just leaving it as head knowledge. There's no point in that. You have to take it in the truth, the truth that you've learned, and apply it into your normal life, your normal everyday life, and allow it to further your Christian growth and your relationship with God. And those descriptions in 2 Timothy 3 could have been prevented if people just studied studied God's word and obeyed the principles found therein. And a Christian who is living in carnal sin is also like a canker, infecting those around them and giving them a reason to sin as well. You see, people are always just looking for, our flesh is just looking for a way to justify sin. When you see another individual committing a certain act, you look at him and say, oh, if he's doing it, maybe I can do it too. We're looking for the, the, uh, the, the next justification, the next way to justify our, our, our fleshly needs. It's like a canker. A Christian living in sin will not only affect themselves, but will affect those around them. And the way to fight off sin and temptation is through Scripture. Jesus did the exact same thing. He quoted Scriptures against Satan. That's how, that's how He was able to conquer temptation. And that is how we are supposed to conquer temptation. When we're, not studying the God, when we're not studying God's Word, how are we supposed to quote Scripture when we're tempted? When we don't even read our Bibles in our own personal time, when temptation comes, we won't have anything to say against Satan. We won't have anything to quote against Satan because we are left speechless because of our own apathy towards scripture. Suppose you had an illness, a terminal illness, and you had to consume a specific pill each day. And this pill, and this pill allows you to live another day. But the only the only requirement is you have to take it every single day. If you miss that dose, you're dead. If I was in that position, I, I would make sure first thing first thing I wake up in the morning I would consume that pill because I, don't, I want to live another day. If we treat our Bible the same way as that kind of that pill, that medicine that we have to take each and every single day, if we treat the if we treat reading the Bible as a necessity for us to to be to function because it is necessary for us to function, the reason why pastors and and other and people in full-time ministry can go about their busy days is because they, when they wake up in the morning, they commune with God and they they ground themselves with the truth in God's Word. That is how they are able to function throughout the rest of their day. When discouragement comes, they look in the Word for encouragement. When sadness comes, they look to the Word for joy. When they feel and are filled with despair, they look to the Bible for hope. We need to study God's Word. It is not only our job, but it is necessary for us to be effective Christians. If you eliminated this and threw this out, you can never be an effective Christian. We have a sin problem that will overcome us if we don't daily attend to it. And it is because Christians have neglected the Word of God that so many are falling into believing different heresies and succumbing to sin. We must study His Word to prevent that from happening to us. There are so many practical ways to help with our studies. You can schedule it. Make sure you have an app that reminds you to to have a study time with God. For me, it's different. The the morning is for devotions and another time is spent for studying God's Word. Maybe get yourself a study Bible. Brother Rob, he can tell you where to get the best study Bibles. You can use online resources like the Blue Letter Bible to further your, your studies. There there should be no excuse for us to to study God's Word because there's so many resources within our hands. A.W. Tozer said this, The Word of God well understood and religiously obeyed is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. And if you're here today and you truly want to be the best Christian you can be, you have to give yourself over to fervently studying God's Word.
1: There was a lot of energy in that sermon. Yeah, a lot of good study went into that. Thank you very much, Ivan. That was good. That was a good message. Yeah, here's a guy that's not even in the ministry yet and uh, going great guns. Boy, isn't that true? Every single one of us needs to be in the Word of God every day. You miss a a day in the Bible, you've missed the day. Uh, When I was in Bible college, I heard of a man that had a motto. And I don't know if he invented it, maybe he got it from someone else, but his, his motto for life, his slogan, No Bible, No Breakfast. And um, over the years I've, I've heard others sort of uh, come up with something similar. One man came out with that and he said, I love to eat, he said. So he'd make sure that he'd spend time with God in his Bible. You know what often happens to us? Same thing that happened to the uh, daycare about a week ago. One of the ladies that work in the daycare came into the office, and Mrs. White and I were in the office talking about something. And uh, she came up and said, we have a problem with one of the sinks in the bathroom. Oh, all right. So we went and take a look at it. And sure enough, it's half full of water. And uh, you look in, there's no stopper in there. So obviously something got plugged. And so what we like to do is uh, call uh, Pastor Devian to the rescue. And so anyhow, he came in and looked it all over and we talked about it. And he went and got some tools. We put a big bucket underneath. And you know how underneath the sink, the, the pipe does one of those things, right? They call it, I think they call it the uh, like a letter P. It's, so they call it a P-trap. And there's water in there. Helps prevent bad gases from coming up as well. So anyhow, he finally gets all this apart. And the junk that he pulled out of there. He pulled out gravel. He pulled out a little uh, marbles, I think it was. He pulled out some tiny, tiny little children's uh, little toy things. Well, I don't know, even know the name of them. He pulled out a pencil and a pen and also some paper towels. And the bottom line is the the sink used to just uh, empty the, the water. You turn on the taps and the water goes right down the sink, no problem. Well, over time, it wasn't going down as well. It would still go down, but it would take time. But finally the day came, it wouldn't go down at all. And that day was last week. And so, pastor slash plumber Deviant to the rescue, and so he cleaned out the pipes, put it back together, turned on the water, and not a problem. Floosh, down it went, good as new. And you know what happens to us sometimes? It's very much just exactly like what you just heard Ivan preach about, is we don't spend enough time with God. We skip days. Some Christians go a whole week without reading their Bible. And We get a clog in the pipe because um, junk builds up, bad attitudes, sins that we can't get out of our heads, you know, some bad habits and things, they, they clog the pipe. And I just want to show you one verse that talks about that. It's in Isaiah. If You can find Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Now, while you're turning to Isaiah 59, um, many of us have been asking God the prayer requests. Uh, One one of the prayer requests that many of us have been asking is, God, please give me money out of the blue so that I I can act like your channel. And you can channel that money right through me into the building fund so that we can do a miracle and raise a million dollars. We've been talking about this for some weeks. And many of our church people um, filled in a little piece of paper. We put it on the back wall there. You all know about that. Uh, Well, that's one example. Sometimes we say, well, why why isn't the money coming? You know, I'm asking God. I'm praying about it. And the answer could be that we have a clog in the pipe. That could be that uh, God can't pour the blessing through us because we're clogged. So Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sometimes a Christian can pray for years for something good and never see it happen. And uh, the problem might be that the Christian has got a clog in the pipe. God can't pour that blessing through the Christian. We like to be conduits, tubes, through which God can pour His blessing into this world. And that's the way it ought to be. But God can't always do that because the tube is plugged. We've got a clog in there. And so we don't even know about it. Until finally, you know, the whole sink backs up. And oh, ho oh, oh. ho. You know, call in the RCMP or something. So we need to, every day, get our pipes cleaned. Every day. Every day, sludge is trying to stick to the walls of your pipe. Every day, it happens. You can't help it. You work in the filthy world. You hear filthy things. Sometimes you see filthy things. And then um, some. sometimes we say, Oh, I wish I could get that out of my head. Some of us sit down to watch what we think is a good movie, and before you know it, they're using a lot of F-words, and there's scenes going on of things that, how do I get this out of my head? And that can be quite uh, concerning sometimes. And so that's why we need to spend time with God. He's the great physician. He can clean these... uh, You've heard of people with blocked arteries, right? And that's not good. Get your arteries plugged up, and it's sludge, is what it is, clogged, clogged pipes, and we need to go to the great physician every day, like what you heard tonight, and we need to ask God, cleanse my heart, Lord, because the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. I got junk in my life, I don't even know it. I got to go to God and say, is there anything in my life, Lord, show me it. I'm growing up. I can take it. Show me, Lord, if there's something I want to know so that I can deal with it. And uh, then the Lord will show us Then we need to deal with. But it comes really in connection with the Word of God, studying carefully the Word of God and then getting on our knees and praying. Very good message tonight. Thank you once again.